Thanks for listening to Connection Church's podcast. As we begin the new year, it's easy to get distracted by the millions of things going on in our lives. But the one thing that truly matters is our relationship with Jesus Christ. Our prayer is that you can remain focused on Him this year and the years to come. Well, good morning. Everybody good? Looks like some students are back. Welcome them. Glad you're here. Yeah. Glad you guys chose to join us for worship this morning, and as always, praying that God does, does, praying that God does, praying that God can work out my English, um, praying that God does some incredible things in your heart today, but not just on Sunday, Monday through Saturday and every day of your life, that you would walk in a relationship with the living God, and that your heart and life would be transformed, that you would be satisfied, that God would be glorified, um, and that is the life that we're called to live, and I'm, I pray that for you. Um, real quick, uh, you probably noticed a few people in green shirts, right? Um, it's almost, yeah, it's almost obnoxiously green around here today, but here's the thing. We're, we're trying to, to give you a message, not just a message that we're going to preach today, but a message about this, that we can't do life alone, right? We can't do life alone. We need other believers walking alongside of us with the gospel, in the gospel, fellowshipping around the gospel so that we can become all that God's created us to do. We can accomplish the things he created us to accomplish and we can bring him the glory that he is so deserving of. And so if you have not uh, gotten in a connect group yet, we're going to really ask you, beg you, plead with you, implore you to go out the back doors this uh, morning after the service and meet some of the connect group leaders, meet some of them, find a group, um, we'll get you plugged in, get you in there so that you can do life with other Christians. And uh, because we really believe that's where real life change happens. So um, we want to be a part of your life and not just on Sunday mornings, but every day. So check that out. Um, Will Tucker, love you, man. Very proud of you and thankful for you. Um, I know God's going to do great things through you. I don't even think he's in here, but hey, y'all tell him I said that, okay? Um, we're going to be today in John chapter 7. Um, if you can turn in your Bibles, if you have them, um, John chapter 7. Um, if you don't have them, it'll be on the screen behind me. We're going to read verses 37 through 42. First of all, I want to set this scripture up just a little bit for you. Um, here's what's going on. Jesus has gone up to what was called the Feast of Tabernacles. Now, the Feast of Tabernacles was a feast that the Jews celebrated. Um, and, and what they would do is they would go and they would go up to Jerusalem. They would build um, tents um, from palm branches and different things and they would live in those tents and it was to commemorate the fact that God's presence had been with them throughout the 40 years of wandering in the desert. So they're looking literally at the fact that God has been with us. He was with us in the 40 years of wandering and he is with us now. And so then we come to the place where Jesus, he goes up kind of secretively. He begins to preach a little bit and, and teach in the um, temple. And then one day, it's almost as if you get to this place where Jesus can't stand it any longer. He's looking at people. They need, they need the living water of God. They need to be able to drink from the, the true presence of God. And he begins to look at them and he's like, I can't stand it anymore. I've got to tell them. And this is where we're picking up in John chapter 7, verse 37. Check this out. It says, on the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from him. By this, he meant the spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the spirit had not yet 
been given because Jesus had not yet been glorified. On hearing this, hearing his word, some of the people said, surely this man is the prophet. Others said, he is the Christ. Still others said, how can the Christ come from Galilee? But Jesus says, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Let's pray and ask God to use his word to empower our lives today. God, we thank you for this opportunity. And God, I pray that today this room would be filled with your presence. As this living water represents your spirit, God, I pray that he would be very real and very present in this place today. God, I pray that this word would not come, um, God, with persuasive words, but with a power and demonstration of your spirit, that lives would be touched and changed, God, um, and that you would do what only you can do, and that is give hope and give life through your presence. God, we love you. We praise you and thank you for who you are in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, first off, I want to kind of ask you a question. How many of you would agree with me that the, the reality of life is that the source from which something comes is important? Right? The source from which something comes is important. Not that profound, but it's true. Let me, let me illustrate it just a little bit. If you came to me and you said, Brandon, man, I am thirsty. I have not had any water. I haven't had anything to drink. I am thirsty. Will you give me something to drink? And I handed you a glass of water and I said, here, have some water from my well. Would you drink it? Yeah, right? I mean, some of you are like, no, I only drink bottled water. Whatever. Like, yeah, you probably drink it. You know, I could tell you, lie and tell you I ran it through a purifier or something. You would, you could, you could probably drink that. But listen, what if you say, Brandon, I'm so thirsty. I'm parsed. I really, I think I'm thirsting to death. I need something to drink. And I said, here, have some water from my septic tank. Probably not going to drink that, are you? So then we would say that the source from which something comes, really it determines its ultimate benefit. How it affects us, what it does in us. How about this one? If you were here last week, you heard me talk a little bit about my diet. I had a friend tell me like, listen, I'm tired of hearing about your diet. Well, here's the problem. If, if I've got to be miserable doing it, you're going to be miserable hearing about it, okay? And so we started this diet and everybody's like, you have a New Year's resolution? I'm like, no, well, yes. But the New Year's resolution is not um, necessarily to lose weight as much as it is to not have to buy new clothes. You know what I'm saying? Like, because that was the point. It was, amen, yes, because that is expensive. Um, and so this diet that my wife had been doing, you, you get on this diet and, and one of the things that you do is you purchase this little bottle of gold, man. And it's awesome. These are like what they say are good carbs contained in this bottle. I do not believe it. I think this is like just fake um, whatever. I think they put well water or septic tank water in here and said, use this. It'll make you lose weight. I'm not really buying it. But you're supposed to take these drops every day. And then you cut out all carbs from your diet. No carbs. You should pray for me. (laughs) That junk is hard, man. I told you last week, you take out potatoes and you take out bread and you might as well go be with Jesus because that is hard. And here's the thing that they say. They say, if you'll take these car, or these drops, you take seven drops five times a day. And here's the crazy thing. Your carbs for the day are contained within this little tube. And they're like, you take these and it'll give you energy and it'll provide your carbs and it'll do all this stuff and it'll speed up your metabolism and it'll help you lose weight and it's all natural and it's all healthy. But can I tell you this? Watch this. Some of, the, some of you can't see it, but watch this. 
one drop. That is not equal to a French fry. I'm just straight up telling you, and I'll be very transparent and very honest. I ate a French fry last night. We got the kids some chicken fingers and French fries from Zaxby's, and it was better. I just went ahead and ate one rather than just diving in face first to the whole thing, and I ate a French fry, and it was good. And I'm going to eat some more. And every night, I allow myself two cookies. I'll take my drops, and then I eat two cream-filled cookies. And you know what I do? I break them open. And then I slowly nibble on each half and and then I lick off some of that creamy feeling and man, it's good. And this is the thing I can promise you is that right there. It ain't the same. It ain't the same. And here's the thing, man, like I can get by with that and I, but it's not satisfying. It is just not satisfying. I ate a chicken salad last night. I got done with it and I told Susan, I was like, well, that was disappointing. That was absolutely disappointing because it didn't satisfy me. And here's the thing I've realized is I've been on this thing and I've been taking these drops and, and you know, seven drops a day. And I'm like, this is is not working. And so I would take them. I realized this, that I may still be getting carbs, but man, it is not nearly as satisfying as eating the real thing. Right. And I know you're like, well, good carbs, bad carbs. I'm whatever, man. If my heart stops, I'll go see Jesus, but I need some carbs. You know what I mean? for life to be worth living. And so here's the thing I realized is that, that, that the source from which things come and, and where they come from, it, it often determines um, how beneficial things really are to us. And then the source from which things come, they, they, they determine how, how satisfying they really are, right? I mean, even just at this point, I don't even really like sweet potatoes, but I need a sweet potato, man, just to get something different. But the source matters and it's important. And if it's important in those things, when we just look at, look at regular old life separated from God, here's the reality. How much more important is the source from which we draw our true life? That, that it matters, that it matters. Now, here's the thing that I know is there are people in here today who are miserable and you would even say that your life would be somewhat septic, that there's things in there that just aren't good. In other words, your life in some ways is just kind of crappy, right? And it's just not what you want. But here's the thing I see all the time is I see people all the time who want a different life. They want a better life. They want to be able to honor God more. They want to be able to bring God glory. But here's the problem. They keep drinking from the same source, waiting on something to change. And the reality is until the source that we draw our life from changes, nothing else in our life is going to change. That is pitiful. Thank you. Yeah. So it matters, like the source from which things come, they matter. And and so we look at this and and we begin to realize, man, what are we drinking from? What are we really drinking from? We want our lives to be refreshed, but listen, man, we chase empty clouds that promise rain, but don't deliver. I was thinking about that thought this week and a scripture from the book of Jude. It's a very short book. It's only one chapter and it's right before the book of Revelation. And and this is what it says in verses 12 and 13 is Jude is talking about some men that these early Christians were tempted to follow. He says, these men are blemishes at your love feast, eating 
with you without the slightest qualm. Shepherds who feed only themselves. They are clouds without rain, blown along by the wind. Autumn trees without fruit and uprooted. Listen, twice dead. They are wild waves of the sea foaming up their shame. Wandering stars for whom blackest darkness, the blackest darkness has been reserved forever. Jude's warning them, listen, these men that are telling you these things, they're promising you all this stuff and you look at them and they've got persuasive words and they come in with this worldly wisdom and you say, oh, I think I should follow them. Look at what they can offer. Look at what they're telling me will happen. And here's the reality. Jude is saying, listen, they're clouds that are empty. There's no rain inside of them. But yet I wonder how many of us in here today in our life or at least in some part of our life are chasing clouds without rain. How many of us are chasing after things that promise to deliver, but have no power to do so? I would say there's a lot of us that in some part of our life or even as a whole, we're just not really chasing things that can fulfill us. Then we go back to John chapter seven to the scripture that we read earlier. And we see that Jesus is telling us, if you'll come to me, If you'll come to me, I'll give you living water. He told a woman at the well in John 4, listen, you can draw water all day long, but I can give you water. Then you'll never thirst again. And she didn't understand what Jesus was talking about when he's telling us that he's going to give us his Holy Spirit. That when he ascended, he did what he promised and sent back his spirit that would live in us, that would be for us, that would be with us, to comfort us and strengthen us and empower us. And he said, if you'll come to me and you'll worship me and you'll lay your life down for me, then I'll fill you with this water. And not just a little bit, but to the point where it'll be overflowing into the lives of other people. That is an awesome promise that God gives us to satisfy us with nothing less than his presence. And that's what God tells us. Let me give you this living water, this water that's symbolic of the Holy Spirit that you'll never, ever thirst again. And here's the reality in church, guys. Listen, the reality in church is that the Holy Spirit typically freaks us out, right? Because a lot of times when we hear about the Holy Spirit moving, like crazy things follow, right? You ever been in a church service? Somebody just starts running around the church. What, What just happened? You ever been in a church service where, where, man, just crazy things are, and you, and you start identifying this, is this the Holy Spirit? Is this what the Holy Spirit does? And it's easy for us in that setting to begin to draw conclusions about the Holy Spirit that may or may not be true. I'm not saying anything's wrong with running. Hey, if, if he moves you to run, just take off, man. We'll keep going. I promise. Bring your tennis shoes. Do laps. Be awesome. And, and here's the thing, though. We look at him, but here's the opposite error is, is that we go, ah, I don't really know about this Holy Spirit. I can't see him. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. He's kind of freaky. They call him the Holy Ghost. I just don't know. And so we neglect him. We put him to the side. And is it any wonder that the church of Jesus is, is, is lifeless and void in so many cases? Is it any wonder that the people that make up the church, the believers, make up the body of Christ are lifeless and void of power for life and joy and peace and love and all of these things when we've neglected the one who gives us life. When Jesus promises this is the one who will come and we begin to neglect that, we begin to look away from that. 
And yet here's the reality, guys. We can't live apart from the Holy Spirit. For this message, I can't spend a lot of time talking about all the attributes of the Holy Spirit. But I want you to think about the Holy Spirit today in this message. Really, simply put, as Jesus unbound. You're like, well, Jesus was never bound. Well, he was. He came in man. He could be in one place at one time. He, he, he was limited to where he could be. And yet in John 16, 7, Jesus promises this. He says, it's better for me to go away so that I can send back the Spirit. And you think, really, is it better than Jesus being with me? Because that seems incredible. And one day I prayed about that. I was like, God, how is this true? And he said, what's better than Jesus being with you is Jesus being in you. And see, here's the thing about the Holy Spirit. He's got the same character. He's got the same attributes. He's got the same emotions. He's got the same power. Everything that Jesus is. When you look at Jesus, you see a tangible version of the Holy Spirit. You see the Holy Spirit with skin on, basically. And that is what I want you to think. It is Jesus. It is the Spirit of Christ. It is the Spirit of God. If Jesus was the express image of God the Father, which Hebrews 1.3 says He is, then the Holy Spirit is an expression of Jesus that's unbound, that fear of believer is in you, that longs to well up inside of you to living water that would pour out of your life and into the lives of others. There's one thing I believe that the church needs as much as anything. It needs Jesus, but it needs the presence of Christ in the church. We talked a lot about that last week. We need the presence of Jesus in our lives and we need the presence of the Holy Spirit to overflow out of us. To not just be a little little drop, like that miserable dropper right there, but to overflow, to well up, to do things in us that, that we can't do to empower us, to change our heart, to give us boldness, to give us courage, that we can go forward and live a different life, that we can go forward and live a life that brings God glory, that we would be satisfied, that God would be glorified, that Galatians 5, and 23 would be true, that in our lives is love and joy and peace and patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no way that we can produce that on our own. I was at Dunkin' Donuts again this morning. I know that shocks you all, but I was at Dunkin' Donuts this morning and, and, and it was like, all I wanted was a large coffee and the line just never moved. And and I was like, come on, I just want a large coffee. And it just never moved. And it wasn't within me to really be patient and to smile at the man like Jesus loves him when I got to the drive through window. But there was something in me that said, you can do this. <laughs> Thank you. And, and it's, we need that. Listen, but here's the tricky trap of Satan. This is what Satan does to us. He begins to tell us as we become Christians, listen, we come to Christ just, just as we are, you know, just as I am. And, and we come and, and Jesus begins to do a work in our life. We're filled with the Holy Spirit. But then when we come to church, we're typically pointed this way. Let's skip over the means to a life that glorifies God and, and let's get right to the end. Stop doing this, start doing this, and, and you'll be a good Christian, right? That's the way it works. And the trap of Satan is to tell us, focus on the end, don't focus on the means. And yet here's the thing, we never get consistently to the end without the means. The end is a fruitful life. The means is Jesus and the power of his spirit. Apart from that, you can't live it. Well, don't tell me. I'm telling you, 
You can't live it apart from it, apart from the means, apart from Jesus and his spirit. I can't live it. I can't do it. I can't live a life that glorifies God. But man, when I'm drinking from the living water and I'm focused on the means and see, here's the thing. If we skip the means, we miss the point. If we skip the presence of God, we missed it all. The Christian faith is not a destination. It's a journey and it's a process. And here's the awesome thing. The joy is in the process. The joy is in the means. And yet so many times we skip over the means and we go straight to the end and we wonder why we're frustrated, burned out, tired, don't want to get up on Sunday, don't want to worship. It's because we've skipped over the end and we've missed the means. And there's people in here who've been doing it for years. Amen. (laughs) And I'm telling you today, there's better than that. Life with God is better than that. When we drink from this fountain of living water, it's better than that. We try to do all of this behavior modification without heart transformation. We, we go to this, this tree that, of our life and we start trying to prune off all this bad fruit, but we never really allow the Holy Spirit to deal with the root at the core of who we are. And you can prune all the bad fruit you want, but guess what's coming back up? Bad fruit until what changes is at the core of your being and it's changed by God. How many of you today would, would say that your life, your life today could use more of the presence of God? Would you be honest and raise your hand? You could use more of the presence and power of God. Okay, all the perfect people had their hands down. How many of you would say that today You would love to see the fruit of the spirit more in your life, the love and joy and peace, all of these amazing things that satisfy you and bring glory to God. How many of you would like to see more of that in your life? Yeah, amen. I would too. And in this process, man, I, I was reading this week and I was like, God, I got this. I understand this. I live this every day, this desire to be more satisfied in God, this desire to be more fruitful. But I said, God, you've got to help me. One, to learn for myself, how do I consistently experience this? And two, like, how do I tell them? So that's the thing that's freaky about being a pastor is, you know, every week you're going to have people looking at you go, help me, help me, help me. And, you, and so I'm like, God, how do I tell them? How do I, how do I help them? And the Lord led me to a scripture as I was praying. And, and just in my own quiet time, I read this scripture and man, it just jumped out and it came to life. And I pray that it'll come to life for you. It's in Psalm 130. Psalm is a huge book. Just open to the middle. You'll hit it somewhere and then you can go left or right, depending on where you fall in Psalm. But Psalm 130 is a Psalm. And I want to give you a few things in just a few minutes that, that, that I believe will transform your relationship with God and that will transform your life, that will bring more satisfaction to your life and that ultimately, and, and man, most importantly, it'll bring glory to God as he lives out of you. What an awesome privilege to know that God has given us the ability to live a life that glorifies him. What arrogance to think that we could somehow produce the character of God apart from him, right? 
And so today I want to give you just a few things that I believe can make a difference. The first one is actually just coming out of the whole psalm. And as I was reading and studying this psalm, what I found out is that the psalmist who wrote this, um, it was the psalm of repentance. And you can read it and you can begin to see this. It was a psalm of a man who was turning back to God. It was a psalm of a man who literally was writing it as though he were in a hole. As if he was in a great place of despair. And here's the reality. I know there are people in here today that you would say, my life is in despair. I feel like I'm in a hole. And some of us in here today may not feel like we're all the way in, but we've got a good foot in there, right? Or we're digging real hard. And my prayer is that we would read this and we would see that God, man, he desires to lift us up. So when we humble ourselves before the Lord, that he will exalt us, that he will lift us up. And here's the thing I want you to understand. Number one, you can write this down. That just like this psalmist, we need to come to a place that we recognize we can't make it without God. And see, here's the thing. It's like, you're sitting there and you're like, oh, I'm finally gonna be satisfied. I'm I'm finally gonna be in this place where, man, I've got joy and peace and love. And oh man, the birds are gonna be singing. The sun's gonna be brighter. It's gonna be awesome. And then I bust out with something like that. You need to realize you need God. You're like, what? That all you got? But here's the reality. So many times we confess with our mouths that we need the Lord and we live our lives as if we don't. And if you look at your life, how much of your life is lived dependent on you? And how much of it is lived truly surrendered and dependent on God? And yet somehow we tried life all this time on our own and we're miserable and life sucks and we hate it and and we just don't like it. And then we keep doing it over and over. We keep drinking from the same source of life and it never delivers. It never delivers. It's just like read. My two-year-old, he got a rocking horse for Christmas. Man, and it plays music, and that's the worst part. <laughs> and so he gets on, he's like, Daddy, watch. And it's like, ah, and it's singing this song. We can't even tell what it says. There's one part that sounds like I love to have my bones crushed underneath the shade tree. And we're like, what is this saying? So he had to listen real close and, and try to figure it out. And so he gets on it and he'll, he'll bounce. And so he starts climbing and I'm freaking out, man, because he's climbing up there. And I'm like, I don't want him to fall. I don't want him to fall. And so I, I'm, I'm kind of watching him. And, and then he's hanging off with one arm, you know, one foot on the thing. And then he's like, and I'm like, read, 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 read. Can daddy help you? Can I help you? And he's like, no. And then he's hanging on. And then pretty soon, bam. Like, told you. You know what I mean? And. But he loves to climb up there and he'll slip and he'll fall, but he doesn't want my help. And then finally, when he gets in a position where he really, really, really needs help for me to bail him out so he doesn't bust his head on the floor, then then he'll finally go da, 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 da. And you know what I was thinking about that? And that seems kind of strange. It seems kind of weird to compare this to our lives. But you know, we're so much the same way. I would say this, that most of you would look back over your lives and some of the worst time of your lives you have the fondest memories of in some way because it drew you close to God. And one of the greatest challenges we face as people is recognizing our need for God every second of every minute, right? 
You can go home and you can write it on your mirror. You can go home and, or you can get in your car and you can put a big postcard up on your dash. Just don't put it over the speedometer or the fuel gauge because that could get you in some trouble. You can put it wherever you want to. But we have to come to a place where we realize we can't live apart from God. And yet here's the thing, we get desperate, something happens in life and we get desperate and we see it all the time in the church. People come in broken, they come in broke, they come in needy and then the Lord begins to heal them up. The Lord begins to do what he's promised in their life and begins to produce fruit. And then in three months, we can't find them. And here's the reason why. They forgot how needy they are for God. And you're like, well, we shouldn't be needy. Whatever, I need God every day of my life. There's not a day that goes by that I don't need him. And how I need him, man, I can't do anything worthwhile apart from him. We've got to come to a place where we recognize we can't make it without God. That is basically what this whole psalm is about, is a man turning back to God and saying, God, I need you. And my prayer today is you would do the same. Number two is out of Psalm 131 and two. It says, out of the depths, I cry to you, O Lord. Oh Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. Number two is cry out to the Lord, profound. But when you read this, this is what he's doing. I'm crying out to you, Lord, out of this hole, out of this despair, out of this place where I need your presence. I cry out to you. I need you, God. I need you. And here's the thing, guys, there's no shortcut. There's no shortcut to a life lived drinking the living water of God full of the Holy Spirit. So many of us, we sit there and we'll use an excuse. Well, if God wants me to have it, he'll give it to me. Whatever. He tells us to pursue him. Even when Jesus called the disciples, what'd they do? They followed. And we've got to be in a place where we're following, where we're pursuing, where we're crying out that our heart's desire is to be in his presence. And so many times we'll use some excuse of, oh, I just don't know if he wants to do that in me. Then why did Jesus give us this promise in John chapter seven? He wants our lives to be filled with the presence of God and to be overflowing so full that it flows into the lives of other people. And this is my heart for you, that you would cry out to God. God, I need you. I can't live without you. And I hear this all the time. I just wish I had the passion about the Lord that you have. Then get it. I don't just wake up in the morning, even on Sunday morning. I don't wake up and the first thought is like, man, I am passionate for God today. (laughs) Usually I wake up and the first thought on Sunday morning is this. God, they're going to be looking at me again today. Oh my gosh. What am I going to say? I don't know what to say. And then I talked for 58 minutes last week. What is that? I'm like, we're going to get out early. And then it's like 1207. I don't wake up. It's a decision. You wake up and you say, when my feet hit the floor today, I'm going to cry out to God. I'm going to pursue the Lord. And here's the thing I can promise you is when we cry out to God, he shows up. He shows up when I sit down and read my Bible and I just read it just to read it, man, it's dull and it's boring. 
But when I sit down in the morning and I begin to write out what's in my heart, whether it's good, bad, or ugly in my journal, and we'll get you one of those if you don't have one, stop by Next Steps table. If we don't have them, we'll find them. We'll get you a journal. But I start writing out, God, this is in my heart. Today, man, God, I feel joy. I feel love. I feel on top of the world. Or today, God, I feel insecure. I'm worried about what other people think. Help me, God. And then I open his word and I begin to read and what I'm reading begins to speak to my heart and it begins to roll up into worship of him. And I begin to realize, man, God is here. God is here. But it doesn't just happen because you wake up and you throw your Christian hat out into the playing field of life and you're like, do it to me, Lord. And then go on about your life. Cry out to the Lord. Be desperate. Be hungry. Are you hungry and are you thirsty? Man, if his presence would just fall down in such an incredible way on our lives and open our eyes to see how good he is, I believe we would become so much more desperate for him, which ties in to the third one. Number three, if you, if you, O Lord, this is in verse three, if you, O Lord, kept a record of sins, O Lord, who could stand? But with you, there is forgiveness. Therefore, you are feared. Praise him for his goodness. Praise him for his goodness. Number three, praise him for his goodness. And see, here's kind of the insulting thing. It's like I say these things, nobody writes them down. Nobody does anything because you walk out of here and you'll do nothing with it. And then you'll come to the office and you'll say, I really wish I was passionate about the Lord. Right? But praise him for his goodness. When you get alone, praise him for his goodness. Man, there's times when, and this seems weird and you probably already think I'm weird, but listen, there's times when I'll just have to go and get in a room by myself and just sit in the floor, just turn out the lights and it's just me. And and I'm crying out to God, God, I need you. I've tasted you and I need you in my life. I can't do this alone, Lord. Lord, do something in my heart. I need you. And I'll cry out to him and I'll begin to, to praise him. And I, and I won't let myself forget all of his love and all the benefits of the Lord. And I'll begin to thank him that he's forgiven me of my sins, that I could never have stood before him on my own. And yet because of what Jesus did on a cross, I can stand before him. And some people in here today would say this, well, I don't really think he's done anything good in my life. Look at my life. And I would say, look at the cross. Look at the cross because there is a blood stained cross that says God is good. And I don't know what your life experience. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. I don't know what your life experience tells you. I don't know what you're walking through today. I don't know what you're feeling today. But this is what I do know. If you will lift up your eyes and you will fix them on the cross, you will see hope because you will see a God who paid the price for you to be filled with his presence and never have to walk a day alone in your life. That's what God does in us. That's what God has done for us. And when we begin to praise him for his goodness, oh my gosh, our our reality begins to change. Our circumstances might not, but our reality becomes the ultimate reality that the presence of God is in me. It is around me and I can live because he says I can live. And listen, the living water begins to grow and it begins to grow and eventually it begins to flow out of our lives and into the lives of other people. Listen, we shouldn't have to minister from what's inside of us. We should minister from what's coming out of us, right? So many times we get burned out, dried up, washed up. And the reason is we're trying to give out. We're trying to give out. And yet there's nothing going in. It's septic. 
Accept it. But I tell you, when you begin to get with him and you begin to praise him and you begin to thank him and he begins to move in your life, rivers of living water will flow. Guys, I've experienced this. It's almost a rediscovery. Man, I I was pursuing God. I was walking with God. But even recently, I began to realize, God, I'm just dry. And I went and got by myself and I just cried out to God. Just cried out to God and I began to thank him. I began to tell him how good he is. And here's the thing. Like when somebody tells you how good you are, something happens, doesn't it? Like the other day we were at home and Susan and I were in the bedroom. Not like that. Not like that in the bedroom. We were in the bedroom and we were laying on the bed and not like that, laying on the bed. But we were in the bedroom, laying on the bed. The kids were playing and we were like, maybe they won't hurt each other. And so we had just a moment and Susan looks at me and she goes, you know, sometimes when you're preaching, I just have to fight this feeling of pride because you're so good. I was like, you dang right I am. And, and I began to just feel this in, inside and I was like, oh, wow, this is awesome. My wife, I was like, shut the door and lock it, baby. I was like, she is talking good about me. And, and man, I, and I don't know if I need to go wash dishes or wash clothes. I don't know what I need to do, but I'm ready to do whatever it is. And here's the thing is somehow our praises brings, bring God into our presence and we begin to praise him for our goodness. It's not so much that we have to provoke God. It's just that we have to open our hearts up up to him and God begins to move and God begins to do something in our heart and we begin to find life like we've never known it and it begins to be stirred up in us and 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 God's doing incredible things in our lives and here's the thing we don't have to tell God how good he is to remind him of who he is we have to tell God how good he is to remind us of how good he is And when we begin to praise him and we begin to tell him, God, thank you for taking my sin. God, thank you for doing what you've done in my heart. God, thank you that you would give your life for me, a wretch like me, a wretch who still hasn't got it perfect, who's been walking this thing out for 13 years and still so far away from the goal. But yet, God, you pursue me. I got a text from a friend of mine this week and he said, man, thank you for what you do. Thank you for how, you know, God's using you and the church. You've made a difference in my life. And he said, you know, sometimes it's not so bad to realize you're lost because then you realize how much God continually comes after you. Think about where most of you would be today if the Lord gave up on you. And yet he didn't. And we should praise him for that. We should give him praise. We ought, to, we ought to honor him, not just with our lips, but with the surrendered hearts and lives that are truly living sacrifices given to him. Number four, verses five and six. So we need to recognize we can't make it without him. We cry out to him and we praise him for his goodness. Number four, out of verses Five and six, it says, I wait for the Lord. My soul waits and in his word, I put my hope. My soul waits for the Lord. Listen, more than watchmen wait for the morning. More than watchmen wait for the morning. When the Bible says something twice, there's something there. It's important. He's wanting you to get it. Number four, wait on the Lord. I don't know if you noticed, but these points pretty much are just what the Bible says. He just says, wait on the Lord. I will wait on you, God. I'll wait on you. And yet, here's the thing that's so crazy. Us waiting on anything is so hard, isn't it? And so we do this. We, we go to God one time and, and Brandon said, go in a closet, cut, cut the light out and just sit there until the presence of God shows up. So you go in and you're like, I need you, God. Well, he didn't come. 
right? And we'll try something. It's like a diet. We go to the gym three times. We're like, we work out real hard. We sweat a little bit. And then we go home and weigh and we're like, man, this isn't working. Well, wait a little bit. Stay in the process a little bit. Let God keep working a little bit. Keep crying out. Listen, it's not fast food drive through Sit in the presence of God. Here's the good news. Because Jesus is in you. He can be with you wherever you are. Whether you're in a bank, whether you're in a school, whether you're behind a register, listen, whether you're riding a lawnmower on a roof, wherever you are, God is there. Worship him. You don't have to close your eyes and lift up your hand and start singing to the Lord. That would be weird. We want you to be able to invite people to church. They're not coming if you do that. But here's the reality. The reality is you can worship him wherever you are because he's in you. He's with you. And and you, you can wait on the Lord. Let your obstacles become opportunities to wait. Let your obstacles become opportunities that you can then begin to say, God, I don't know what you're teaching me in this and I don't know what you're doing and I'm about to punch this guy in the nose, but here's the reality. I'm gonna wait on you. Listen, make time in your day. Make time in your day that you can, can, can come to a place where you're truly seeking the Lord. Set it aside, a time, a place. And listen, you're like, well, by the time my kids go to bed, you know, I'm so tired. The best thing some of you can do is go home and let your kids see you pursuing God. Hey, son, listen, I've got to pursue the Lord. One of my favorite things is in the morning when I'll get up and I'll go in and read my Bible and early, I'll get up a little earlier and I'm not perfect at it. It's not like every morning, no halo over my head. But listen, when I'll get up and I'll go in there and my children will get up and they'll walk in and they'll see me reading the Bible. They'll see me praying to God. It makes an impact on their life. What's so cool is my oldest two, Reed really has no concept of this yet. He's only two, so he has no concept. But my oldest two will not go to bed at night until we read the word of God. Especially Jackson, he's like, we ain't going to sleep till we read the Bible, Daddy. It just ain't happening. It just ain't happening. Somebody mentioned me on Twitter. That is awesome. Just came up on my iPad, sorry. But (laughs) here's the thing. Like, man, wait on the Lord. Make room for God that he can come into your life. Be patient. Give him time. Let him work. Let him move in your heart. Don't gets in such a hurry make room number five make room for his presence make room for his presence we're about to wrap this thing up but listen here's where the lord really began to speak to me out of this scripture but also just in something that happened the other night i was about to cook some chicken with really bad seasoning on it because there's nothing good about this diet and so i've got one of these really cool charcoal starters and you you Folks, y'all know what I'm talking about? You, you have a charcoal starter. And it's really this awesome thing that you put your charcoal in, spray a little lighter fluid on it, you light it, and it's like, it's like an engine, engine, man. It's just like flames coming up. And it, what it does is it makes your charcoal get ready quicker because we don't like to do what? Wait. There we go. So I got me a thing to get my charcoal ready quicker. And so then I just stand by, you know, because I love the smell of charcoal and makes me want to eat. But I love 
the smell of charcoal. And the way this thing works, the other night I, I lit it and this flame began to come up and it wasn't very long until all the charcoal began to be burning red. It wasn't just what was on top, it was all burning red and it was all set on fire. And I began to think about that. And I began, I went all the way back to Christmas morning when Susan gave me that as a Christmas present. And I remember reading the label and I remember reading why this thing actually works the way it works. And it said, the reason that it works is because of the way it's shaped, it gives more room for the flames to be able to get around all of the charcoal. And so it's vented underneath, it's vented on the side. It made room for the air to get in and set all the charcoal on fire. And I was looking at that thing, just, I'll be honest with you, in somewhat of a vegetative state, thinking about what I was going to eat. And as I'm looking at it, the Lord just spoke to my heart and said, why don't you do that in your life? Why don't you make some room for me to move? Why don't you wait on me? Why don't you give me some time? Why don't you move anything that's in the way out of the way? In other words, why don't you surrender it all to me? So that I can have room in your life. And it sounds crazy that we would have to make room for God who created us. But you know what? There's so many people today and so many people that at times, including myself, will squeeze God out of life. My challenge to you today, my encouragement to you today, make room for God. You're starting a new semester, students. Make room for God. Open up your Bibles. If you really want to be passionate about the Lord, open the book. If you really want to be passionate about God, get on your knees. If you really want to be passionate about God, walk into church on Sunday with a hunger and a thirst for the presence of God, not just to go through some ritualistic routine. And listen, here's the thing I know. You don't wake up all the time feeling that. That's okay. Cry out anyway. Make a decision. God, today I will cry out to you and I'll pursue you. Make room for God. Because listen, church, when we become like the charcoal, when we are set on fire and God has access to every part of our lives and he is consuming us. The Bible says God is a consuming fire. My prayer is that God consume my life, burn away everything so that there is only you. Burn it away, God. I'll seek you. I'll pursue you. Sometimes it's fun. Sometimes it's tough. Sometimes when God disciplines, it's not pleasant, but it's always beneficial. And we begin to pursue and things begin to fall away and they begin to be burned up. And the living water of God begins to well up as we begin to move obstacles out of the way of our pursuit of him. And we begin to experience the true living water of God and true life that God has promised us through the Holy Spirit. The one thing church that we need is the spirit of God welling up in us as we pursue Christ. That's what we need. The last thing that I'll tell you is Jesus, when he was in John chapter seven, he came to a place that, that he spoke these words. But when Jesus spoke these words, he, he didn't just wake up that morning and say, I think I want to invite everybody to come and drink living water. What he thought about was the prophet Isaiah almost a thousand years before. And Isaiah 55, one, this is what I want to leave you with. 55, one and two, it says this, come all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And so we hear this invitation that Jesus is calling back to the prophet of Isaiah almost a thousand years before. And he says, listen, 
Come, all who are thirsty. And Isaiah is prophesying this day that all people would be able to come, regardless of the color of your skin, regardless of the nation, your nationality, regardless of, of, of what language you speak, that there would be a day when God makes a way for every person on the face of the earth to come to him and drink the living water of the presence of God, that he wouldn't just be with us, but that he would be in us, overflowing into life. And this is what Jesus is recalling. And Isaiah says clearly, come all of you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And he says, and you have no money, come buy and eat. And this is what I would tell you, come and drink, come and drink. This is the word of God that says, you don't have enough to purchase this right. You can't earn it and you can't buy it. And yet to God, today God says, I provided living water through my spirit. Won't you come and drink? Won't you come and cry out? Won't you come and let me love you? Won't you come and allow me to well up in you to rivers of living water? And this is what I know, man. The other day I was, I was running. Um, I, I decided I would run because the diet wasn't working. And so I went and, and, and I started running from the office and I ran down Fair Road and, or um, Main Street and I ran across onto campus and, and then I realized a lot of you guys were back and I was like, dang, if I knew all these people were going to see me running, I wouldn't have come this way. And so I, I had my, my uh, iPhone, it was, it was playing some, some good tunes and, and uh, I was listening to it running and then my phone rings and I start talking to a buddy while I'm running, which is not a good idea, but I'm running and, and, and like Forrest Gump, I was just running and, and you know, I'm running and, and, and every step I took, man, for a while, I was like, man, this is awesome. I feel good. And so I kept on running and I kept on running and I kept on running. And then I had this thought, I got to get back. (laughs) It's like, dang. And so I finally, I turned around and I was like, I don't think I can make it back. And pretty soon I was, I was right. And so I finally stopped running and I just started walking. And, and, and I realize this about people in here today. Some of you today, you're like, I'd love to have that. I'd love to, to experience what you're talking about. I'd love to know the God, the way you're telling me I can know him, but I've run so far. This is what I would tell you. Just turn around, just turn around and say, God, I need you. God, I need you. I need this living water. I need you to come into my life. And he says, you have no money. Come by and eat. He's given freely. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. He says, if you'll turn to me, turn away from your sin, turn away from the empty clouds that promise so much and deliver so little and come to me, come to me and drink. He says, why spend money on what is not bread and labor on what does not satisfy? So many of us in here today are working so hard to find something that, that is given freely. Why are you laboring in vain? Pursue the Lord, pursue him, come and drink the living water of God. It's the one thing that we need. He says, listen, listen to me and eat what is good. And your soul will delight in the richest affair. Has he spoken to you this morning? Has he, has he spoken to your heart? Do you know that you need the living water of God? And listen, There are people in here, you've been walking for years and you knew him and it was alive and it was good. And somehow you started going to the end instead of to the means and it's dry. And this is what I'll tell you. If you'll humble yourself and cry out to the Lord, God will do amazing things. 
Will you do that today? Some of you, you've never tasted the Lord. You've never tasted his goodness. You've never drank from the fountain. Will you come to him today? Has he spoken to your heart? Do you know I need this? This is what I need. I've never known him, but I want to know him. And listen, this is just real this morning that there are people in here today, you need to know Christ. You need to turn from your old life and turn to the new life that he offers. And you need to come to a place of repentance, turning to the Lord and saying, God, I need you. And you've never done that before. And here's the thing, we don't even have a keyboard playing. Did you know God can move without a keyboard playing? We don't have a guitar strumming. But this is the thing I would ask you. Have you heard the voice of the Lord? Because today, here's the question, and this is the most important question we've all got to answer. Have I ever trusted in Jesus as my Lord? Have I ever put my confidence in the price he paid on the cross? In a crowd this size, there are many people who haven't. And here's the thing I want to ask you today. The Lord's spoken to your heart. This is real as we can be. And today you would say, I need Jesus in my life. I need the living water of God. This is what we're going to do. Lights up, heads up, everybody looking around. I want to know who has the courage because the Lord has spoken to you and you're tired of the life you're living and you want to live a new life. You want to leave the old life, come to the new life that you would be satisfied and God would be glorified. This is what I want to ask you. You've never had that. You've never known him. I'm going to ask you right now to stand to your feet and let us celebrate with you this decision that you're making to come to the Lord. Would you stand right now? Just be bold. I promise you, if you stand, somebody else is going to stand because right now they're just as scared as you are. Who is here today that you know I don't have a relationship with Jesus and I need one. I need my life to be forgiven. I need it to be cleansed. Listen, in just a minute, we're going to sing a song. And this is what I believe. I believe with all my heart, there's someone here who needs that. And I believe with all my heart that the Lord has spoken to someone's heart. And you need that. We got some prayer warriors over here. Some people just like to pray with you. When we sing the song, you get up and leave. Listen, for the others of you, your life is dry and it's thirsty and you need the Lord. You need to drink from the living water of God. And the Lord's spoken to your heart. Listen, we sing this song about how worthy God is. You get up and come. You come down here and you hit your face and you cry out to God. You take a step of faith to move out of your seat. You say, God, I'll cry out to you. And you let this be the first step of every step for the rest of your life in pursuing him and crying out to him, whether you feel like it or whether you don't. Listen, I'm gonna give you one more chance. We're gonna pray. Today, you wanna receive Christ. When I'm praying, you stand up until the end of that prayer. And we're going to celebrate with you. Lord, thank you so much for the opportunity to be here. God, I pray that whoever's hearts you're moving on, God, that they would respond to the gospel, the most important thing they'll ever do. I don't want to beg them, Lord. I just want them to be obedient to your prompting. God, I pray that as we sing this song, your spirit would dwell in us. It would move in us, God. It would well up, that we would surrender to you everything, God, that's hindering us from following you. Lord, let us wait on you. I know people are leaving right now as I'm praying. I don't even have my eyes open. Let us wait on you in your presence, God. We love you, Lord, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.